Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what. Each and every one of my guests have survived incredible circumstances. It is amazing the stories that are shared on this program. And also as a result, my guests have had the passion to help others who may be going through something similar or who can relate on, on some form or another and therefore they're able to help other people and that's what this is all about because the whole premise of the show is hope and how do we instill hope how do we give hope we give it by sharing what we have gone through and how we survived and how we overcame and so that's why this is so exciting some of my guests have gone from extreme poverty and are now successful and even multimillionaires. Some have overcome abuse in, of many different forms. Some have overcome disease and depression. And each one has a story of how they did that, how they made it through, tips that they can give, and um, what they did to, to change their own life certainly is something that we all can draw from and gain strength from and insight in how we can change our lives too. All of my guests are special. All of them are fighters. All of them are winners. And I am so excited about sharing each and every story. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries. And that just shows me over and over again, every time I do a story, that there is somebody out there on this planet that needs to hear your story. They need to hear your message of hope. They need to hear what you went through. And so if you have a story and you want to share it on my show, please contact me and we'll see what we can do to get that set up. That would be awesome. So I thank you for your feedback. I thank you for um, your, your input. And of course, without you, the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you again. Today with me, I have Kathy Collard Miller. Kathy is an author, a counselor, an international speaker. Kathy has appeared on many TV programs, so I'm really honored that she is here today. She has traveled as a speaker in eight countries and most of the United States. She is also the founding member of 
AWSA, AWSA, which is Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. And that, in fact, is how we met. And I have met Kathy in person, which always makes it so much nicer when you're interviewing somebody to know what they look like and, and to have been able to give them a hug and to get to know them a little bit outside of this, this show. Kathy has over 50 books published, but this just didn't happen. And it wasn't a gradual thing. What happened is she did not become a writer until she pulled herself out of a destructive pit as a child abuser. Now that's quite the subject. And I think it's always appropriate in any any um, platform, in any society, there is a problem, there is an issue of child abuse. And we hear about it and we have empathy if we understand what they have gone through and we also have sympathy towards the one that is being abused and very often on this show I do interview people who have been abused but now we're coming from the other side today we're going to talk to a child abuser but her story doesn't stop there even though she had abused her toddler both physically and verbally, she is now here to tell us her story and to share her new book that was just released and how she totally and completely turned her life around and was and now has an awesome relationship with her daughter. Her new book is called No More Anger, Hope for an Out-of-Control Mom. So fasten your seatbelts. We're in for a real treat today with Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for giving me the privilege and joy of being able to share with you. Oh, I'm excited. I know that this is going to really help a lot of people, and I know that's what your motive is as well. Now, as a young woman and a young mom, you had a lot of rage and hatred, and you transferred that to your little girl unfortunately and also eventually to your husband and we're going to talk about that in a little bit now there was a point i was reading this morning and 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 i had forgotten about this when i had read your book some time ago but there was a point when you choked your daughter and you knew you could do it again and that really hit me because i think sometimes when abusers do or are 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 out of control they all of a sudden realize that that's what it is they're out of control and they may do it again and next time it may be too late and so this really terrified you and you also knew that your husband's service revolver was in the house and you could very easily end your life and get you know get out of this pain and out of this anger and rage so that's just a little um, synopsis of your story now Tell us your story. Thank you, Carol, for giving that summary because it it does summarize well. I fully intended as I was growing up that I was going to be the perfect mother. I had no intentions of going in the direction I did. And unfortunately, my perfectionism actually contributed to my later anger. But I did not want to be a, a child abuser and plan on it. So when we had our baby, our little girl, and it took almost three years for me to get pregnant, I even more so wanted to be 
that very, very perfect mother for her. And I really thought that if I did anything wrong, it would ruin her for the rest of her life. Hmm. So, but the wonderful thing was she was the most darling baby. And I thought motherhood is so great. I want another. And so we had a second child, a little boy, and now he's a newborn, he's nursing, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and at that point, our daughter is two years old, and she is in the terrible twos. She doesn't want to cooperate with my toilet training program, she doesn't want to do anything I want her to do. And I began to more and more become more angry. And I really thought, Carol, that my anger would somehow motivate her. And when it didn't, I thought, I'll just have to get more angry. But unfortunately, as you said, it escalated first into hitting. Then I pushed her down on the ground. I was constantly screaming. And then that horrible, horrible day when I choked her. And Carol, the horrible thing also was that it was as if I came up out of my body and was looking down at this raging woman with mm. her hands around this little girl. Oh my goodness! And I looked, and I and I was horrified, realizing that's me. And then in a second, I was back in my body, and I ran out of the room. And that's when I remembered that my husband, a cop, had left his off-duty service revolver in the top dresser drawer. Unbelievable. I don't know. I can't imagine the emotion, the range of emotions that you were going through at that point. I was just blown away and, of course, defeated. By this point, I was depressed. I had no hope. I believed that I was the worst possible person in the world, that no one else was as bad as me. I was in a pit of despair with no hope at all. So what did you do at that precise moment? Then, as I went into my room, and I opened the top dresser drawer and looked at the gun and I felt this overwhelming guilt because I knew that I was a Christian. I'm supposed to be the best kind of person because I call upon God to help me. But it was as if he didn't answer my prayers. And so when this gun was sitting there, laying there, and it was as if it glinted, as if it invited me to take your life, because if you don't, you're going to kill your daughter. And I reached for that gun, and knowing I had no hope, there was nothing that had ever helped. A thought came into my mind, and that thought was, but what will people think of God if they hear that Kathy Miller has taken her life? Wow, that's pretty... Uh revealing wasn't it oh it truly was and you know what i've thought about since then carol is that how deceptive suicidal thoughts are because just imagine if i had taken my life my little girl was all by herself in the in the house she would have come into the room looking for me right and would have been traumatized 
And here I was thinking selfishly to get out of my pain, thinking I was being selfless, that I wouldn't then kill her. Yes, yes. It's so mixed up in my mind, and that's what I realize now. People with suicidal thoughts cannot think clearly. And it was only that thought of what will people think of God that made me push that drawer back into the dresser and leave the gun alone. Amazing. One of the things, let's back up just a little bit, because I'm assuming that when you um, did abuse your daughter over whatever period of time that was, that you probably asked her for forgiveness a lot too. I did. And so you were dealing with guilt as far as that goes too. How did, did she become afraid of you? Very much so. I can remember one time where I was standing by her and I just happened to raise my hand quickly to scratch my head and she cowered. She just cowered. And I was horrified because I thought, am I that terrifying to her that she doesn't know whether I'm just going to scratch my head or reach out and hit her? But that is what she had experienced. And that just, oh, it made me cringe knowing that that was how traumatized she was. And I really was convinced I had ruined her life forever. Now, where was your husband in all this? Was he aware of what was going on? No, he wasn't. He was working two jobs. He was a policeman. He was a real estate agent. He had a um, flying hobby. He played tennis and golf. But a part of him being gone so much was that I was such an angry, bitter, critical person that he found more and more ways to stay away from our Mm -hmm. home. Even though I thought I was trying to communicate my need of him, his help, he took it as criticism of himself. So you were dealing with that as well. You were dealing with um, a feeling of rejection and you probably transferred that to your daughter too. I mean, if it wasn't for her. And everybody always said how much she looked like like Larry. And so here we have this little girl looking like her daddy and reminding me subconsciously of him and how much I hated him. And so it it all makes sense, but at the time it's so muddled, it's so confusing, it's it's so hopeless. And it's really really scary. Okay, so take us now from where we left off to you put the revolver back and what happened next? What are the steps that you took to begin the change? That day, I just still had no hope. But that week, I was—I uh, had already set up that I was going to be visiting my neighbor And so I took the kids and went down to her house, and we were sitting there just visiting. And it was like this boiling volcano was inside of me that I had to tell somebody, but I didn't want to be condemned like another friend of mine had. Okay. 
she had just reacted even when I had said a little bit about my my anger she had reacted with shock and condemnation mm. so I I thought I can't tell anybody I'm the only one but on this particular day as I'm sitting with my friend Jan I just had to tell somebody didn't matter it was just like I was going to explode and so I said to her uh, just sort of you know, I was like scared. I said, oh, man, Darcy made me so angry the other day. I get so mad at her. And I, I, Carol, I turned my face away from her because I knew what was coming. The condemnation, the shock, the, the, the look that meant I was the worst of the worst. And I heard Jan say, oh, boy, I sure can get mad at my boys sometime." I remember just yesterday when Brian made me frustrated and I looked at her and I said, really? Aww. You get mad too? And she replied, well, of course, every mom gets mad to some degree. Now, I knew she wasn't knowing the kind of degree right, right. I was talking about. <laughs> but for the very first time, Carol, I left her house with a tiny little light at the end of a very long tunnel that maybe somehow, maybe since she had not condemned me, there was a tiny bit of hope. And that gave me the courage within several weeks to share with a group of women that I met with in our neighborhood. And, and I led this neighborhood Bible study and no one knew my problem. And somehow, Jan, who was a part of the Bible study, her reaction gave me the power to share with them the kind of anger I was talking about. And they began to hold me accountable and to pray for me. And this was the next huge step that really helped. So they didn't necessarily condemn you, but they wanted you to report to them? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, accountability in the sense that then each week someone would say something like, well, how, how are you doing, Kathy? How, how was your week? I was praying for you. So it wasn't in the sense of a negative kind of thing, but a loving support. And I, I can tell you that knowing I was going to have to tell them how things had gone, was a motivator, a, a wonderful motivator. And there were times when I didn't get angry because I didn't want to have to report that something ha had happened. Now, so what was the next step that you took to the change? Well, the next step was dealing with my bitterness towards my husband. And I remember the day, actually, uh, this had occurred a couple months before when Larry was taking off to leave the house to go on another flying trip and again refused to take me and the kids. And as he walked down the hall and then turned into the laundry room that led into the garage, I was eating an apple. And as this anger just reared up inside of me when he closed the door behind him I threw the apple at the door and 
it shattered. Little pieces of the apple went all over the laundry room, sticking to the ceiling and the walls and the floor. And the apple core fell to the floor. And I picked up the apple core. But I didn't wipe off all the apple pieces off of the ceiling and the walls because that was my memorial to my rotten marriage. <laughs> and, you, wow. and I have to tell you, those pieces began to rot in the following month or two, but I reveled in it. So keep that in mind as I tell you what happened then. Okay. A feeling. One day, I was doing my housework, and it felt like God was speaking to my heart. And it felt like he said, I want you to tell Larry that you love him. <laughs> <laughs> love him? Oh, you've got to be kidding, God. I am not going to say that. I will not say I love you, because he's going to use it against me. He's going to find another way to be what he shouldn't be as my husband. And so I cannot give him ammunition against me. And I flatly refused. <laughs> well, I think God is, is very persistent. And a second time he said, in my heart, and I, I refused again. A third time, I felt that kind of sensation, but the words changed. This time, I believed I heard, then think it the next time you see Larry. Oh, my goodness. And so I thought, well, if he didn't hear me, then he can't use it against me. I do want to obey God, so maybe I can do that. Well, Larry was off on another flying trip when I heard that evening, and I had been telling myself all day I was going to do it. I heard the car drive in, the garage door closed, the laundry room door open. I knew Larry was walking through the laundry room where the little rotting apple pieces were still <laughs> there. He walked down the hallway towards me and I forced myself to think, I love you, <laughs> but I don't really. Sorry for laughing, but I guess oh, I, I, I laughed with you because the bitterness of my heart. But you know what? God is also sneaky because I didn't know, Carol, that when he gave me that challenge and I cooperated, that was the first step in making a decision to love my husband. Yes. And I did not realize how much I was looking to him to meet all of my needs so that I could be happy. And as I began to go through this period of choosing, forcing myself to think loving thoughts about Larry, do loving things for him, then that began to soften my heart. And at one point, my heart became so softened and so healed and without bitterness that I went into the laundry room and I washed off the rotting apple pieces off of the ceiling ah. and walls because I no longer needed a memorial to my rotten marriage. Whether Larry ever changed, I could be a happy person because I believed I'd become convinced that God could supply what I needed that Larry might never be able to give to me. So it was a, it, how long of a time period was this? 
Well, we're talking most likely six months, and I would say um, a full year of a lot of steps where there's no instantaneous solution here. I had to learn so many other things in different areas. So over a total period of about a year, and then longer to really to deal with all of the anger that I wasn't raising my voice. So it, it was quite a long process. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I think this is what happens with a lot of people, not just in you know, with anger, but with other things in in their lives that they want to change, is that they expect it overnight. And if it doesn't happen in a week or a day or a month, and, you know, then, like, what's the use? And so they give up. So what kept you going? Wow, what a great question. What kept me going? Well, first of all, I think when I saw little advances, when I saw that Darcy wasn't quite as afraid of me, or that I could feel love towards her and enjoy her a little more. And when I saw that, you know, my husband wasn't as distant, and later he said that he began to see the difference in my attitude, and as a result, he began to be drawn to me. (laughs) Yeah. And so little by little, there were little signs of life little signs of hope, little signs that, okay, uh, okay, maybe there is hope after all. And I wouldn't get as angry about something that had made me angry the week before. Or, you know, just that light at, at the end of that dark tunnel was coming closer and closer and getting bigger and bigger. Change takes time and never, ever giving up hope. <laughs> you know, yes. it, that's what it's all about is hanging on to that. So you did, you did you see yourself then differently? Did you see yourself as a good mom uh, instead of knocking yourself out, you know, trying to put yourself down? And, and like, was there a change that came within you as well to see yourself differently? Absolutely, and I think that's where my perfectionism, as it began to be healed and had less of a hold over me, there was less uh, self-demeaning words. There were less beating myself up, and I could give uh, myself credit for when I did something right. Before, it was all or nothing. Even if I did something right, well, I hadn't done it completely. I hadn't done it 100%. So I began to study about perfectionism. And Carol, someone has said that a perfectionist is a person who takes great pains and passes them on to others. (laughs) And I sure did that. And so when I began to see, well, yeah, I can give God credit in me that I'm better 20%. And maybe the next week or two weeks, I, I... Uh, I was better 50% in that particular area. And I released thinking Larry had to be 100% exactly the way I wanted. And I could accept that he was trying himself. And even though it wasn't all that I wanted, I could accept what he was able to give 
and mm-hmm. then also believe that, you know what, I most likely would never do anything perfectly, but there is value in growth, and growth requires a process. So when did you decide to write your story? Mm. Well, I had always wanted to be a writer even since uh, junior high school. And I was editor of our high school newspaper, etc. And so after I did see that I was becoming the patient mom that I wanted to be and Larry and my relationship was much better, Larry said, oh, well, there's a, I see in the newspaper that there's a community class on writing. You've been talking about that. Why don't you go to that? So I did. And I learned about a query letter. And I sent a query letter to a a Christian magazine saying that I wanted to share with them my story of overcoming being an abusive mom. And they liked the idea. So I wrote it up. I sent it in. They published it, although, Carol, I asked them to publish it anonymously because I was still so ashamed and nobody knew. I hadn't told anybody. Even Larry had not really truly understood the depth. That came out little by little as I could have the courage to tell him. And then I went to a writer's conference in 1980 and began to make some connections. Then uh, my first book was published in 1984, and that told my story. The My current book that just came out, No More Anger, is the same story, but I've enhanced it, I've updated it, I've added group discussion questions for each chapter. Larry wrote an update from his perspective. Oh, good. So, yeah, the new edition has a lot of of improvements. Your other books, you wrote other books as well. True. As you said, um, I do have over 50 books, and No More Anger is my 54th. And so my most recent book before that is called Pure Hearted. And then I have a series of women's Bible study books. And I've also written a book about perfectionism and how to a parenting book that helps moms identify the sources of their anger and overcome anger. So you cover the whole nine yards, which I appreciate, not just from your own perspective, but from other perspectives. And making this a handbook along with your story so that you can open discussion um, questions and be used in possible therapy sessions, that is an excellent idea. And I'm sure that, uh, how long has it been out? Well, No More Anger's only been out since February of 2018. Okay. All right. So you're going to be getting uh, a lot of interesting feedback, I'm sure, and people are going to be contacting you if they haven't already because there are people like yourself back in that day when you you don't want to share with someone you know, but it's easier to share with a stranger. True. I encourage people who are listening to this, and if they have this this problem or any problem, you know, that relates with anger in particular, that they not only get your book, but that they they connect with you, and all that 
all those uh, connections will be available on on the website so that people can connect with you on Facebook or through your website or your book or whatever because this is a subject that in this day and age that we live with so much hatred, so much anger, so much pain, it comes from all different directions and they need that thread, that line of hope, that they, that lifesaver that they can cling on to. And knowing somebody who has gone through those deep, dark times and has been able to come out a winner, a thriver, a survivor, an overcomer, all those things, and be successful as a result, that is an incredible opportunity. So I really thank you for sharing so much, and so much from your heart, Kathy. So well, what, would, what would you like to say? Anything else you want to talk about or anything I, else you want to share? I do indeed. You, uh, you remember that I just have shared in this time that I had no hope for the relationship with my daughter and that I thought I had ruined her. Well, that little girl who I abused... Uh, is now 43 years old. She's a mother of two, um, married. And Carol, she totally has forgiven me. She never carried any bitterness. She never used what happened, although she does not have an independent memory of it. It Mm. was pretty much solved by the time she was three. But she knew from the beginning I was sharing. She's been in my audiences many times. In fact, next month I will be sharing with her mom's group at her church. And, of course, she will be there. And she has always supported it. And she is a healthy, normal uh, person, woman, who loves God. And I think that is truly, truly an amazing thing about how God has healed our family. And Larry and I will soon be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. And we minister together and we uh, share with other people together. So there's always good that comes from even the deepest hurts. That is so true, Kathy, because I think that as many people have asked me, and I'm sure they've asked you too, how can you share, you know, such a negative experience and and, and doesn't it, you know, affect future relationships, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm sure you've gotten the questions, but the, the bottom line and what I always say, and I'm sure you have the same mind, is I would not be who I am today if it was not what I had gone through yesterday. Exactly. And so we we have a choice when we do go through terrible things in our lives. We can let it make us or break us. And we've all heard that expression and it seems kind of passe, but it isn't at, at all. It's very, very true. We can use that experience, which is what this show's about, to help other people who may be going through or have gone through something similar or we can throw a pity party and hope people show up, which they never do. <laughs> so <laughs> I've thrown a few of those. I think we all have, right? Like, where are my friends? Oh, they, you know, they got the invitation. I've certainly been whining enough, but no, nobody showed up. They're at their own pity party. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So thank you. Like, there is so much more that we could talk about. And 
what I'm hoping is that as um, you know, over the next few months, uh, different things that come up, maybe some examples of, of people who have gone through something similar, maybe we could, you know, have you back again and share some of the some of the pluses, some of the stories that have come as a result of your book. I think that would be an awesome follow up interview. What do you think about that? I love the idea. Okay, so let's let's bear that in mind, and we will put all of, like I said, all your contact information, etc., on your on your post, and uh, people can connect with you and read your book. I know that it's going to be an awesome read because you are a phenomenal writer. I have oh. seen a lot of your writing, and yeah. you are easy to follow, easy to understand, relatable. There is emotion. There is there is a warmth, and you're just you're you're a great writer. So when you <laughs> were in high school, you knew the direction your life was supposed to take. And I thank you for sharing today and for being oh, a never ever. Pleasure. Give up hope. Thank you for helping so many. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.